What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Smoking Tire Podcast. Listen up real quick. Just about everyone I know owns a trimmer, you know, the battery-powered or plug-in buzzer that trims your hair. And just about every guy has had a bad experience with a bad trimmer. Either the blades get dull, they start pulling hairs, or they're really loud, the motor feels weak, It bad. the battery dies, it freezes. Ugh, I think it is time to upgrade to the Brio Beardscape. I've been using the Brio Beardscape for about once a week for a year now, and I have yet to charge it. I charged it when I first got it, and it still has, it has a a battery gauge on it, and it still has plenty of juice. I'm talking like 65, 70 shaves probably I've used this thing, and it's still going. The, uh, one of the reasons is the ceramic blade it's it's lubricates better. It cuts better than steel. You don't have to lubricate it very much. It has less resistance. It stays extremely sharp. It's lovely. And one of my other favorite things about it is how powerful it is. It's got a high horsepower motor in there. Although it doesn't make a lot of noise, think of it like, you know, like a Tesla or something. Torque now and uh, without much effort. It may be time for you guys out there to upgrade to the Beardscape. Go to Brio for Life. That's the num- that's the that's the word Brio, the number 4 life.com and use code smoking at checkout. Brio4life.com. Code smoking at checkout. I got the best price on the internet, my friend, on the Brio Beardscape. Uh, we're also brought to you by Dylan Optics Sunglasses. You know those awesome glasses I'm wearing in every single video? Those are Dylan Optics Sunglasses. The matte finish means you'll stand out in a crowd, but the quality of the lenses is what will keep you coming back again and again. Every time um, I'm out at a car show or wherever, and I see folks, they ask me about my Dylan Optics sunglasses, and I always let them try them on. They're always just like super shocked about the quality of the lenses on my Dylan Optics sunglasses. They're just like, oh my God, this is like HD life. And if you go to thesmokingtire.com under the uh, partners tab, you can uh, you can click on the Dylan banner right there. If you use that link on thesmokingtire.com under the partners tab, uh, use that link to buy your Dylan Optics sunglasses and I will send you a free Smoking Tire t-shirt for uh, for every pair you buy. It's very, very nice. My way of saying thank you for supporting the people who support us. All right. On this show, we've got uh, a guest I am super, super stoked to have here. Uh, I've been trying for about, I don't know, two years to get uh, Mr. Jeff Zwart in studio. Jeff is uh, one of the busiest mans in show business, as you say it. Um, he is not only a photographer, he is a videographer, a cinematographer, a director, a producer. Uh, he is a racing driver uh, with many, many Pikes Peak uh, wins uh, to his name. He's raced in the WRC championship. He won uh, the U.S. uh, Rally Championship. The dude is a legend, uh, and he's a legend in the Porsche community, as well as a legend in the automotive uh, media community. So considering I'm in both of those clubs, this dude is a massive hero of mine. Jeff Zwart on the Smoking Tire Podcast. (laughs) Zoom in, sir. (laughs) So we're on already? Now okay. you're looking at now, sir. Okay, got it's it. The smoking tire Friday. podcast. Before five. Friday afternoon. We're a little early. That's okay. okay. That's the best part about it. It doesn't matter. <laughs> if Good. you like, they'll get a little. They get a little notification. It's like the ding. You know, really? they're live. Yeah. Okay. Cool. In theory. Cool. Other people get mad. Good. I'm glad you're standing in the parking lot then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's good. Mm-hmm. I hope my phone is silent. Um, oh yeah, I gotta check that too. 
legend Jeff Swart is oh. in the studio, turning his phone to silent. Hello, I'm sir. Silent. Hello. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for coming down. It's only taken me two years to get you on the show. <laughs> but it's I'm a, slow. You know, you're, you are like the most traveled person that there is, I think. Well, I mean, it, it does... How many, how many airlines do you have a million miles on right now? Um, I just have one, but I have a lot of millions with one. How many millions? Do you <laughs> Two think? million. Two million? Yeah. All right. With United. You're United? Uh, well, is that where JF lived, got it? I lived in Colorado for 25 oh, years. Oh, they serve? Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sometimes <laughs> you have so. no choice. Yep, yep. Um, well, I'm glad you are finally in LA We're with here. a voice, allegedly. Yes. yes. Uh, um, we'll see how long it holds out. It will. It do will. you have like a little Ricola thing happening? Or yeah, anything? I yeah, do. You're golden. <laughs> share with the, share with the group, buddy. No, um, yeah, dude, you're you uh, you know how to earn a living in a really great way. You have figured out the sh the I don't know the secret to what maybe work life balance. Can we call it that? Yeah, I think that. I mean, it's kind of a perpetual motion in a way where, you know, what I do feeds me. In, yeah. in so many ways and it serves so many needs personally and and just from you know an entertainment standpoint because you know the things that I get to photograph for the most part are influenced by my own racing mm -hmm. and then my racing is influenced by my filming oh, and, totally. and you know it's yeah. just it, it, each it's, one kicks the ball like a little to the next to the next thing definitely yeah. and it's just it's funny because I often describe that uh you know, my rallying and racing down roads like that is just high-speed location scouting. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. You are, you are a master of recce. Yeah, that's You know, for you're sure. so good that they give you a trophy. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> I was national champion. <laughs> what is the best rental car you have wreckied? Oh, boy. <laughs> you know, it was better in the old days when you could just kick off the air cleaner and have the police pursuit sound. Yeah, yeah. That was, that was it. The, the Fling that out the window right away. <laughs> Were you ever, like, part of those you know you've heard those stories of the people who like fucking swapped engines out of rental yeah, never cars went that shit. far but there was Did you were you, but were you privy to that actually happening in period as it were um i heard funny story because i used to cover the runoffs the mm -hmm. uh, secca runoff and i used to hear funny stories that happened for people in the parking lot at that <laughs> event, so because it was the national championship, and you need, you really, really need that yeah. steering rack. Yeah, that's exactly right. We see that in uh, you know our little cheap car racing that we do sometimes mm -hmm. too. You'll see someone who, I mean, my friend uh, Jack Baruth and his wife Charlie, they have, they pulled a gearbox out of their daily driver yeah. Yeah. to go into the race car mm -hmm. and then broke it. And it's like, <laughs> oh no! I actually don't doubt it because you know even when I was running the Pro Rally Championship, you know it was. The cars we were driving were still relatively obscure, yeah. you know. So a Mazda three two three, or you know, oh, those gosh. things, which is what I was racing. Were you in a three two three with yep. one of those amazing six cylinders? Did it have a six? No, it was a turbo. Oh, this was old. This is yeah. before that. Yeah, this Not is the weird froggy one. No, this is oh, eighty nine. Okay. Eighty nine. It looked 90. like more of like a normal car, a little hatchback. Right? Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. So cool. and I, I ran one of those, and I remember, you know, people. There were several of them running in the events, and there was. Always the need for taking something off a spectator's car. <laughs> you got you need really helpful spectators. Yeah, you know, that's for sure. Yeah, people, it's like you, sometimes you need to push. People are working in a hurry to go home. <laughs> yeah, fuck. I, rallying is the greatest sport that is the hardest sport to watch. It's like yeah. it's, it's just except for you know the occasional WRC you know helicopter and seventy cameras. It's just impossible to yeah to it was, watch. It was even worse in the U.S. because of the you know basically. 
how dangerous it was to run on public roads. Yeah. Everything when I was running was at night. Literally, the rallies what? wouldn't start till the night. And I, Just because there'd be less traffic and stuff on the roads? Less traffic, and if somebody was coming the other way, you'd see headlights and all that sort of thing. Hmm. But it, but literally, our rally championship was maybe two That's stages <laughs> two stages in the daytime, everything at night, which, you know, you go to a sponsor and say, you know, I want to run a full championships. We're, we're cheap. And by the way, it runs by in the, the dark. By the way, no one's going to see the stickers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 How, uh, how, in hindsight, it, was it like... How much scarier is it to rally at night? Um, you know, it was. It's fortunately kind of all equal to everything. But yeah. I will say, um, I dro- drove in the World Championship Rally in New Zealand, mm-hmm. and I drove a Mitsubishi Evo, and I had you know a full-on WRC co-driver for me to work with, and he had told me that with notes I'll be just as fast in the day in the night as I was in the day. Uh huh. And we went and ran as. In the New Zealand rally, you ran a stage twice, once in the day and once in the night, and that was absolutely true. You could, you, when you started dialing in on the notes and just fully listening to it and going very little by what you were seeing, mm-hmm. it was pretty amazing. Like, was. was it good enough for you to almost like, I could close my eyes? And <laughs> no. <laughs> um, good. But I do remember um, the stage that we ran in the day, you know, day, and then we ran at night. There was three jumps, three rises, and... I just remember we were like, you. They were the first one was flat, the second one was a lift, and the third one was flat. Okay. And, and so you're coming down these rises and you come over the first one flat, and you know your headlights are aimed up high in the trees, and then they come down and they reveal that okay that was flat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the next, you are still the next alive one, and you know, was room. like a crest four or something. So you're backed off a bit. Back off a bit, headlights go up in the tree, and then it comes down, and you see immediately why it was a crest four. So then you hit the third one, and you've already seen what it's like if you get that screwed up. Yeah. And you hit the third one, and I just remember flat out, foot straight to the floor, and no way was my mind saying that's what should be doing happening. <laughs> <laughs> and I leave my foot down, and those headlights just stayed in the trees. The jump was much bigger than I thought it was. And I was just thinking, we aren't even. Yeah, I don't see we anything are off ahead. road at and, this point. Yeah. And when the headlights came down, it was like, okay, it's a straight road. That's it was like, oh, so, yeah. so. Cr- I did a tiny little jump in a car once, like the tiniest <laughs> little bullshit tabletop where I think I probably traveled the length of this table in the air, like yeah. not very far. It was the most fun thing I've ever yeah. done. It's, <laughs> jumping a car, if you know that it's going to be okay, yeah. is the just. Especially when the landings are really nice, a downhill landing is just like it's like you never left the ground, but yeah, yeah they're just like those long jump skiers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. where you totally just like carry. It's just a carry. Yep, I love yep. the I love the <laughs> watching that that glide. It's lovely. So, uh, all right, you have had an extraordinary uh, career that's still ongoing. Certainly nowhere near done of yep. of, of racing, of uh, photography, of uh, cinematography, directing. You got this movie with Patrick Dempsey coming out. Uh, where do we even start? We have to go. <laughs> we got to go back to like the sixties. <laughs> okay. Right? Is that Tim? Is that the, my phone? I hear vibrating behind the yeah, camera. But it is. Can't hear it. Oh my god! I, it's going to drive me nuts. Two seconds. That's going to drive me insane. Enough battery to get home. <laughs> <sighs> All right. Sorry. Where do we go? Nineteen sixty-four. Yeah. Portion 901. Yeah. Can we start there? <laughs> sure, we could start there. Apparently, your pops had one of these things just as a car. Yep. Just as a car. 
And that that was a funny thing is that you know my my parents um, usually had a Volkswagen Bug and something bigger you in know. California. California for mm. the most part, but Delaware also. So we kind of split the coast. Okay. Um, and in Delaware, actually, we got a 1964 356C. The is that uh, the one with the skis on it on your? Uh, uh, no, yeah, that is. That yeah, is. Yeah. Okay, so, cool. So, nineteen sixty four three fifty six C, and that was the first new, first and only new Porsche my dad ever got, and so we. But the interesting thing has happened about I don't know about a month before my birthday, and they said, you know, uh, for your birthday we're going to take a trip in this new car. And I thought that was so cool. And we went to the Indy 500. Oh, that's awesome. And so I was pretty well sold on Porsches and sold on racing when mm-hmm. I got there. So totally. It was cool. But uh, going you know, uh, further along that, my father did buy a used 911. And we, kind of, we always kind of knew it was an early 911. But, you know, that 911s were progressing fairly quickly. And, you know, it was just kind of an old 911. Well... We were at Riverside Raceway at one of the Porsche Owner Club's things, and there was a guy there who said, oh, you know, I've got chassis number 29 or 29 of, uh, of, of a Porsche of 911. Yeah, yeah, the 29th car built. And my dad goes, oh, I think our car's a really early car. And so when he, you know, he looked at his number there at Riverside, he said, oh, ours is 35. And still, that was like no big deal. It was just really old. Yeah. It was the 35th 911. Well, you know, in hindsight, this was a 901, a real, the true, you know, before. Yeah, it's know. like a million dollars now. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. And, <laughs> and my dad loves hearing that. And uh, Does he still have it? No, he doesn't. Oh, that would be, that would be extraordinary. Oh, oh that would be, that would be crazy good. Yeah. But, uh, but I, that's the car I learned to drive in. And Rad. I, yeah. And I just, you know, for me, we went to Los Alamitos racetrack parking lot. It was the biggest area near our house that was, I couldn't run into anything. And I remember my dad came downstairs that morning and said, on Sunday morning, he says, okay, you're going to learn to drive today and we're going to take the 911 because it has more power and you won't stall it. He's thought, probably yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> thought, all right. Sounds you, need good. To- you need a little torque. But you know, this was like first gear way over and all the kind of wacky stuff. And you know, I just remember settling in there and it had a wooden steering wheel. And I just remember grabbing a hold of the steering wheel and your feet are over on the side and this first gear's way down and clutch and everything seemed, you know, it just, it was just such a, I think we all remember the first drive. Yeah. And, and then, you know, here I am, you know, how many years later. First time I drove an air-cooled Porsche, I was like, none of this makes any sense. <laughs> exactly. I'd only driven, like, normal, exactly. you know, modern cars. And yeah. I got in, like, I don't know, it was like an 82 or something. Uh-huh. I was probably, like, 17, and I was like, what? This, this, you know, this is, you guys, you know, this is hinged on the floor. <laughs> the pedals are hinged on the floor. Like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. It was really bizarre, really different from anything else. Yeah, it was, and but for me, but you if, know, it's your, if that's your only experience, yeah, I would always ridden in now this car. Now you get car a Corvette, you're like, what's wrong with this yeah. thing? It's super <laughs> so, weird. <laughs> so you know, I I took off, drove around the parking lot there, and I mean, it was just it was so special. But you know, to think back on it now, and especially where. You know, I've kind of traveled through the Porsche world to think that that was yeah, my first car. Yeah, I would car. say so. Yep. I yep. would say you have. Yeah. Uh, you could probably, have you tracked that vehicle down? Yeah, well, okay, so Road & Track did a story on this subject, uh-huh. of me, what I learned to drive in, and I actually had heard that the car had been stolen. My dad sold it to somebody in Seattle, I heard the car had been stolen, and then Road, some reader in road and track as they do went clear to the bottom of it and and actually and found it and found that it was truly stolen and actually talked to the widow of the guy who's 
who had bought the car. So it was confirmed again. And if you look, you know, you can imagine, you know, for those first hundred cars or whatever, there's quite a registry. Yeah. And, and chassis 35 is always a blank. It's it, just it, a, that's so sad that yeah. it's a blank. Well, it's, it's like funny. A, it's, it's like now, a missing man kind of thing. It, it's now identified as my dad's car. So it's kind of cool. Though. Well, a guy, so, whoever stole, whoever yeah. got it is stuck with it. Yeah. But you, no, know, you know, you know what? Now. But you know what happened in those days is, and I remember it clearly because you were involved in the Porsche club. If a car got stolen, fenders were cut off. Everything was taken out of it. Mm. It was worth more for its parts than it was for a car. So yeah, the Integra Type R formula, yeah. <laughs> as it were. Yeah. All right. So you now know how to drive. You've got yep. a, a family with some Porsches, and yep. uh, and at what point do you decide photography, cinematography is going to be a career, or uh, or that you're going to drive race cars on the side? Pick, <laughs> pick a fork. Oh uh, yeah. Well, it definitely. I was really attracted to racing, but nobody in my family was, you know, knew anything about it other than we liked to go to it as a spectator. I mean, my dad took me to Riverside all the time and uh, to races whenever he could because he was a big fan. But the thing that happened is that um, I just didn't, you know, I wasn't mechanically inclined. <laughs> you know, I wasn't, didn't know how to become a driver. And I was living in Germany. And Did someone nudge you and say, it's, it helps if you're rich first. <laughs> Start on that. Well, you know, in, 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 that, in that time, I don't even remember that part of it. I just, I just remember that, you know, when I was in Germany and I was going, I was, you know, studying to be a veterinarian. I was over there and I was uh, going to races when I could on the weekends. And the people that were closest to the action and on the other side of the fence from where I was were the photographers. Oh, yeah. And so I just said, geez, you know. I, I'm not mechanical design. I don't know anything about driving, but if I want to be around racing, why don't I become a photographer? And then so I shot races while I was over there and kind of did things along the way. And I wrote my parents a letter saying, you know, I just don't think veterinary medicine's where I should be. I really want to come home and, and study photography. And that was kind of wild for my parents yeah. to take because they weren't of art kind of background. And, yeah, yeah. And I remember my dad said, well, you know. Did you have interest in the kind of artsy version of it as well or did you like just like doing kind of action sports type stuff action sports yeah. i mean i liked Were photographing like a Neil lifer kind of yeah fan? exactly yeah. and i i remember photographing i wanted to photograph things i liked being around yeah and so that was the main thing and it was interesting because it wasn't you know i just never equated to every billboard you drove by every <laughs> magazine you opened up all the stuff that somebody was getting paid to do that yeah. stuff i just didn't in some cases you know, I didn't, a lot yeah and i didn't have anybody that i'd grown up with doing that so yeah. i didn't have an example and it wasn't until i got to art center that they actually said you know this is a career mm. that's money making career as opposed to you know and so uh, you you went to art center here yes and from your time there they taught you that this can be a business and here's how you do it yeah the difference it, between I'm so fucking jealous of that <laughs> i went to art school i was studying yeah. photography yeah. at upenn like the best business school in yeah. the country <laughs> i studied art and it was all fucking frou-frou high concept shit yeah and i was like no, how do i make money at this teach yeah. me please yeah. You know, and I wish they did that, and I should have gone to Art Center where well, they did that. And that was the difference: is I looked at RIT, I looked at Brooks, mm. I looked at Art Center, and when I got to Art Center, you know, there's really maybe only ten percent of the teachers are full time. They're actually they're people working people, in right. it. Yeah, and, yeah. and I remember, like maybe the fourth or fifth week of school, we went to this photographer who had a studio 
my, one of my instructors had a mm. studio and he got to park his cars inside his studio. Oh, yeah. I just thought that was the coolest. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like a Dantana moment. <laughs> no, shit. Even so, as an adult, yeah. it's almost like a really nice treat. Yeah, a studio yeah. big enough for a car, yeah. like a nice, fresh, seamless, and, and like, ooh, a softbox? Yeah. Ooh, give me. When, when I saw that, I was like sold. I go, oh, I got to yeah. be, I got to, I got to do this thing. So, and for so, those who don't know, Art Center in Pasadena, by the way, is also where a lot of uh, car designers end up going. They have a great program for that. Like, yeah. Literally drawing and doing interiors and all clays and all that kind of crazy. Yeah, shit. and that was the fun thing for me is because you know generally everybody there was wanting to shoot tabletop things or girls or whatever. Mm. I was just there to shoot cars, <laughs> <laughs> and so nobody in photography, you know, the photography classes were really interested in the car thing. But I had this whole transportation design yeah. group there, so I got to be buddies with a lot of the guys there who went on and did lots of great things. And I grew up with Freeman Thomas. Oh yeah, so it was kind of cool because you know he did the TT, did so many great things along the yeah, way. But not a lightweight. Yeah, no. It's like, and, uh, he's like Mr. Like uh, kind of Bauhaus, right? Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. So Baseball glove stitch seats. Yes, that's, that's exactly right. God, the, why didn't those last? That was awesome. When will there be a throwback? Okay. Is it, It's got to be time. Maybe on Audi's... Uh, their whatever their 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 version of the Taken is, it's Sport GTE yeah, or whatever, yeah, whatever that's called, yeah, Etron GT, because that actually looks like a pretty good car too. So. Throw the baseball stitch yeah, on there, that'll be it. They'll pay for it. <laughs> you know they'll pay for it. Maybe <laughs> some leather it. vents and a leather fuse box and all that <laughs> crazy shit. Um, Art Center must have been when? What years were you there? Uh, seventy seven to uh, seventy nine. Must have been a good time. Yeah, it was definitely, and it was when they just had moved to the new campus with the building. With yeah, the new building and that building's really oh, cool, and it, it's still cool. Yeah, you know? it's, it's I think cool it's an this Elwood year, yeah. design building, and it was just like. It was it was cool and it was so different than my kind of science and biology kind of background that I was studying yeah. before. So it it was it was great and I you know skateboarding every afternoon and kind of it was just the full on and you the know full California full California were, yeah. and like I live like forty five fifty miles away from it. So once you got there, you were fully you know mm -hmm. immersed in school. Yeah, so it was good. That you know we're talking about obviously film and you know the the business of photography. I think although it's sort of settled a bit now, you know for between you know 2000 and 2015 it's a little kind of like whoa like yeah. how does anyone make any money that no, wasn't already here before but like in the early 80s what happens when you graduate with a degree yeah. in photography from art center do you get gigs like like right away or? i you know i was um they they kind of presented it as you come out and you either be an intern for yeah. one of the photographers that slave that came through yeah <laughs> or you know you could do it on your own which is what i chose to do and it was kind of funny i was going this school during the gas crisis, mm -hmm. you know, and every manufacturer is trying to figure out how to, you know, milk every gallon out of the car. Yeah. And I graduated in the turbocharged era. Yeah. You know, I graduated in 79, you know, so all of a sudden, you know, Porsche was on the market and everybody was just gearing up. Gail for Banks that. was making, yeah. making banks. Yeah. And so it was, it was really a, a kind of a turbocharged era for me to come into and my world was all about racing and doing that stuff mm. and so my highest aspiration at art center was to someday shoot something for road and track magazine uh-huh my very first assignment was to shoot a cover for them fuck out of here so, your yeah, very first very first assignment what it, was it it was with a two what would it have been a 300z or uh -huh. a two, yeah it was a it was a z see so. now is that like 
So is that almost deflating? Because it's like, well, now what? Where do I go? No, you know, is it, is it I, I, I as awesome it. as I think it would have been. Yeah, because it was my dream as a kid to write for Road and Track, yeah, yeah. and now I do write for Road and Track. And I, I, when I see like the banner, especially in a print magazine, you know, yeah. it feels nice. Yeah, and it's it, good to see my name there. And that's what I. That was kind of my motivation too. Was that. You know, I just wanted to shoot. I just love shooting. What was your What was your into road and track? What was your relationship um, to to getting into that fun, magazine? Funny enough, is that when I lived in Europe, in well, when I made one of my first trips to Europe before I even lived there, in seventy three, I was there, and I went to the Porsche factory when it was closed, and. Went to the back like Wally fence. World, like yeah. you just showed up with a yeah. Boat. And yeah. I went to the back fence of it, and there were the seventy four cars sitting there with the bumpers, the G models, with the new bumpers on them. So, I are we talking like spy shooting? Is yeah. That what, okay, so right, I, yeah. I, but I, it wasn't. I wasn't thinking about it as spying. It was just that I happened to be, you know, you at the factory. You happened to catch them. Yeah. And yeah. so, and I shot those and shot the pictures, and then I didn't really know what to do with them. But I knew that the guy at Road and Track that was totally in the Porsches was Joe Ruse, mm-hmm. and so I brought Joe Ruse pictures of the 74 bumpers. Like in shot. person? Yeah, in, in, I went there in person. Yeah. yeah. Went there in person and, and brought them to him and I said, oh, it was really good, you know, and all this stuff and he was glad to see the pictures and, but it kind of opened the door. Yeah. And so then, you know, five years later or whatever, I was there and, oh, okay. and got, Got my first gig. You know, I think when you said it before, I think I mis- I think I misunderstood it as saying like your first gig out of college was to shoot a cover for Road and Track. I think it was. I mis- oh, it, it was. was. Oh. No, no, it wasn't my first. G- no, my first gig was your there. first gig with them. Yeah, with them. Okay. What, it, they, instead of just doing an editorial small yeah, yeah, story, yeah. I ended up shooting a cover. So still very beast. Yeah, but not no, not good. as beast as here's good. a diploma. And no. by the way, we want you for the cover. No, no. Um, what so. was your first gigs out of uh, out of school? Uh, funny things that kind of either through family or whatever I. Had had some connections with like one of uh, my parents friends worked at global van lines so i shot global van line you know it's like buses brochures. right they were the movers oh movers. Right. Yeah, yeah old yeah, movers yeah, yeah. so so i'd shoot houses nice. getting moved in and out nice, nice. and then I, there was some sort of vitamin company i shot for oh these are and, good ones <laughs> and then uh and then also um on track magazine uh-huh. with uh paul oxman yeah. who existed and i did some things for them and sports car magazine actually i was shooting for sports car magazine because they were the SCCA racing yeah, magazine. Yeah. I shot for them even while I was in school. Oh, cool. So, oh, yeah. so you, yeah, you were yeah. definitely working. Yeah, no, I was. So I didn't choose the intern way and, uh, you know. It, I chose the slave way. You know who I was a slave for? Who? You probably know him. Michael Furman. Oh, yeah, I, for out sure. Of, out, of co- sure. out of college, I was a slave for Michael Furman oh, for a little East bit. East Coast, Boston. East Coast, yeah, yeah. Uh, just briefly. Yeah. But uh, he was, it was very cool to watch this dude work. Can, um, you Tim, know what get I like? a Michael Furman photograph because it's studio, uh, classic cars in studios with the biggest softbox you've ever yeah. seen. And he was like the, you know, he, he was doing it before anybody. And I, and he's still, you know, I, he's still I, going. I, I talked to him last year, so he's still, he's still going. Up, so. <laughs> he's still going, yeah. That's good. Uh, the uh, the his, the the detail work he would get with the light was incredible. Yeah, was really, yeah, really and beautiful. he he was he just shot things in a different way than anybody. Yeah. And I remember his studio. He kind of was like all in one living in studio mm-hmm. or something like that. Yeah, it was it was like to me it was like my fantasy. Like that was too cool. So I think is it F U A. Oh, there it is. Yeah. The, yeah. So yeah. So the, all that top row there, he shot the whole Ralph Lauren uh, book. Was, yeah. Um. Here you go. Yep. 
It's, it's his, the work is very. Uh, it's got a very specific look. Yeah, it's very cool. No, and he, I'm glad to see him still doing it. He actually yeah. has a, has a pop up every year at Monterey Week. In, he in does. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Look at that GT1. Yeah. Yep. Have you driven a GT1? Yes, I have. Is it the best? It's the. It's funny because it's. Uh, street car or race car or street, both? I've driven both. Okay. But I drove the street car just last summer, I think, and. Um, it's a funny thing because you sit in it and it, you know, somewhat 9-11 feeling, uh-huh. but you feel so buried in it. Like there's such a big car around you, uh-huh. but it's one of those cars where the faster you drive it, the smaller it gets. Mm-hmm. But what was funny is it's feels kind of 9-11 the way you sit in it, but it's fully 962 the way it sounds. Just, cra- just craziness. Yeah. yeah. And, just, and just, it's just deep and it torque and it just pulls like crazy and it's it's, it's a cool car is so. it uh well that it, that ain't it tim that's a bugatti <laughs> no i know uh, <laughs> he's, michael uh, he's still on the michael for yeah. um the gt1 is it is it uh 9-11 ish like in how it drives or is it just a completely no, it's different complete. thing? it's yeah. full 962 okay. the way it feels in the bushings and the suspension and the lack of movement on the car itself when you're driving it you know it's just it's full race car so is it are the street versions remotely street a bull i think or is it you know, kind of a joke it's a bit of a joke because of the overhangs yeah you know yeah, it's just like yeah. getting in anywhere i mean certainly if you were to drive if you from, had one you are pretty much a boss if yeah. you had a street car would would i be seeing you in it and trankus and yeah. shit though you, i drive a 906 up there that's true you did did you sell it <laughs> no i still have the 906 you, were you gonna sell it no 906 is a keeper i thought you were oh, i don't know why i thought yeah. you were taking it to some heavy hitter auction to sell Nope. That nope. thing rules. Yeah, it's neat. Because it weighs it's, it weighs fourteen hundred pounds. Yeah. I mean, like I always say, like manufacturers have figured out how to replicate everything, but they can't make lightweight. lightweight. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. They can so, hide it or yeah. try to, but <laughs> yeah. it doesn't really the work. nimble nature of that and the yeah. fact that there's this you much fiber. You gotta cook in there thing though. The bubble top. Oh, yeah. Can you Tim get a picture of a Porsche nine oh six? It is. It's a. It's a bubble canopy kind of uh, mid-engine Lamar type race car. Does your Does yours have a race history? Uh, interestingly, add Zwart when, to the search and I, you'll get his specific. When I car. got it, um, when I got the car, it came with the logbooks and all the oh, first races go. were. That's yeah, it. That's it. I saw this motherfucker at Cars and Coffee with this thing like a boss. <laughs> this thing rules, but you must be cooking in the summer. In there. Well, it's funny when you you realize when you look at the Targa Florio pictures of the mm-hmm. car, they have the top of the wind sh- windows all taped down yeah so yeah, it, yeah. So it, uh, it takes it's, care of so that. it like but scoops, it is it scoops it in i drove it to monterey once from here <laughs> and you know <laughs> it has an a, a gas enough to drive an hour yeah well in an hour you're ready to get out yeah yeah you sure. have body enough yeah, to drive 30 yeah. minutes peter egan and i drove it up there that's a story a yeah it was a good one that was it. Was that a road and track story? Yeah, at one yeah, point. Yeah. Oh man, I gotta yeah. dig, I gotta dig that one out. I like have my 97, old issues. 97, 97. I guarantee so. you, I have. Yeah. I have every road and track from '89 till today. Oh really? Wow. Yeah, I got oh. a big big catalog. I was obsessed. No, I was. That was my favorite magazine growing up too. But you also managed to not just shoot um, editorials, but also shoot like the official manufacturer photography, yeah. including some of my favorite Porsche ads. In, uh, the kills bugs fast. Did you uh, shoot kills, kills bugs. bugs? Uh, no, but I did the jumping. Turbo. You did the jumping one. Yeah, yeah. I might, conf- so. maybe I might be conflating the two. Yeah, and but, and but the jumping turbo, and that was like a poster in Seinfeld's apartment. Yeah, you know, it was like it was everywhere. So, and it, the funny part was, we shot that, and you know, um, I don't know. It was probably six months later. 
if you remember, they did a mailing of those jumping shots to all potential Porsche customers. And I got it, and it had Jeff on the part license plate. They put your license plate, your name on the license That's plate. That's awesome. And, but it was quite a quite a famous shot. So, um, and, I love that. And, and a funny story in shooting it, too. So. Yeah, because didn't you recce that in like your own car yeah, or something? Yeah, the Volvo, which, which <laughs> <Cross> was- country? <laughs> it was, um, let's just say the test jump was a little bigger than we thought. <laughs> The, but it was uh, better than doing it in the it turbo. A, it was a 993, right? It was it was a, it was a 964. 964 turbo? Yeah. Tim's yep. just trying to find yep. pictures. Yeah. Um good uh, luck, sir. No. Uh, Man. Jumping turbo Porsche. What was your what was your first film camera? I'm going to nerd out on um, cameras Alta, for a minute. Super 8. Yeah? In high school, I shot Super 8 movies. Oh, okay. But was... just told, never equating it that I might do it someday. It was just something that was fun to do. Mm -hmm. And I used to shoot like Laguna Seca and Riverside with it and stuff. So, But did it was a Minolta Super 8. When did you first start getting professional uh, video gigs? Well, that's a that was actually a, a, a definitive transition. Uh, American photographer did a story on me of being the high performance photographer in, in you know it basically that's all I did was high performance mm -hmm. and, the, and they did a cover story a whole piece on it and American photographer was the definitive American photography magazine and in there I just kind of told my whole story of shooting all this high action stuff well out of that three offers came to join production companies and I ended up joining Radical Media but the Thing was, I thought there'd be like a two-year transition. Yeah. My first, what was nice is I had so many clients already from advertising, you know, and I was shooting, I was shooting virtually all of Porsche, most of Mercedes, all of BMW, and then a bunch of, you know, American clients, everything, but but all of BMW. I was, do, you know, the ultimate driving machine when yeah. it was really that way. I, I shot everything. I mean, sixty, That's sixty a pretty, ads like a, a lot year. Of, a lot of model models to be promoting. Oh, totally, yeah. totally. And I, but I, but it was cool because in those days, what were those ads? What were the? What was the aesthetic of those? I don't really uh, remember high action them. thirty five millimeter. Remember the the M three uh, with the front wheel lifted? Oh off the yeah, I shot that. Oh cool. So yeah, yeah. so you know, it was that kind of thing. But yeah. but what was cool is in those days, advertising agencies would pick you for your look and stick with you, mm -hmm. you know, and it was their look. And I think for three years, I was the only BMW photographer. <laughs> so, you know, and everything looked that way. And I shot all the dealer, I shot all the national advertising, all the dealer advertising, and all the dealer, you know, posters and everything else. So I was probably doing 60 pieces a year. That's a lot uh, yeah, of work. Yeah, a ton, a ton Is that your full-time gig, pretty much? No, you have other but, gigs, too. The, but, you know, like, Porsche didn't have as much going on, mm -hmm. and neither, and or Mercedes- were they almost out of money? <laughs> yeah, I it think, was. I well, think they were, right? Well, it was funny, because, you know, when I shot the 964s, I think, what would this have been, 90, three probably yeah. or something you know you could almost equate for the number of cars selling and how much they were paying me how many dollars <laughs> in each car, car was yeah. my fee so it was not a lot it I was mean, crazy was a couple thousand cars yeah like three thousand 
So, which oh, is yeah. just unbelievable. They probably, yeah, it's probably like, oh, it's a couple hundred dollars out of But, you know, and look at it now. It's like, I mean, at least for me, like I look at 964s as being one of the coolest cars around. So, yeah. And, they and were, they were the nice. least cool for about 10 years. Yeah. And you remember this was why, also- How did that happen? I, why well, were they so uncool? I don't know whether it's uncool. It's just the sign of the times or something. Because this is when they just moved to Reno. Yeah. And they lengthened the runway because they thought they'd fly all the cars in with 747s. I mean, they, they were like, this is, and Nevada gave them a great deal to be there and all this stuff. And it just nothing panned out in, in there. And then they moved to Atlanta and then things took off. So. Why did they think Reno was going to be the tax, thing? Tax oh, so, well, yeah, yeah, that makes yeah, a lot of sense. So, yeah. And they had. They had Worked for Bill Hara. I guess, for, for a while. Uh, uh, That's crazy. Yeah, but it it was a good, it was fun times because it, going back to the editorial side of things, you know, in Road and Track, like you were saying, you get your name next to everything. Mm. And so I, instead of having a rep and things like that, I was just shooting as much as I could for Road and Track. I, you know, I shot lots of covers for them. And there was just this identity that, you know, Jeff Zwart, was doing this stuff editorially, how would that apply to my advertising? And then once the advertising kicked in, I was, I, it took off. So, yeah. and I just transitioned in that. And you were talking about like how, you know, you, you come out of school and you get a road and track cover, what else do you do? Well, I really immediately kind of saw the big picture and saw how everything was working. And I actually never thought I'd be into film, but because of the area that I was shooting in, which was high action, because my high action style of photography carried through all sorts of things. And funny enough, I used to shoot the form a lot of Formula One races for mm. Road and Track. And this is just shows you how bizarre it is. I was shooting Formula One races. I get a call from Northrop Aviation. Yeah. And they call me up and say, you know, uh, you need to come in and we would like to talk to you about shooting some of our advertising. I go, well, what would that be? I get into this meeting. They have all my Formula One stuff laid out on the conference table. And they're saying, if you can stop Formula One cars, do you think you could do something with our fighter planes? Yeah. And so I, so I started with the project of the F-20, which was this um, third world country kind of, uh, it was a private fighter plane, you know, that you like could the, get. That they were selling to like. Yeah, they were okay. going to sell to other countries and do mm -hmm. things. That, and it was it was a spinoff of the T-38 and the F-5 and that sort okay. of thing. But so the first one I shot was red, white, and black, all sports card out. You know, <laughs> it was really cool. cool. And then and then we Are you used, doing plane to plane? Oh, or are you yeah, shooting yeah. that from the runway well, so, or what? So here's the deal. You is know, that, listen, I'm going to need to go up there. Yeah. Well, so here's the deal is that I shot, um, they didn't have any two-seaters of the F-20, but um, we used one of the F-20s in a BMW shot, uh, uh -huh. group of cars that I was shooting, and that BM we painted it BMW gray, oh, perfect. the plane, and after that, then we started shooting it all over again, and that all came from my association with BMW. Well, then they took on the F-18 program, and all of a sudden, I was Martin Baker, ejection seat certified, oh, and awesome. I was flying all the time on different missions. On and and That's you know, so cool. you know, they never fly for you, you know, dedicated yeah, to you. Yeah, yeah, but you, you just go out you with go them. Out. So I'd get to a briefing in the morning, and they would be okay. Today we're going to do high G dog fights. 
and uh, you'll be able to shoot on the transition out there and shoot on the transition back. And are they doing this to uh, to develop the planes or to train pilots or to uh, this is all, all different I was stuff? with the Navy. I oh, was you're a, with the Navy. I you're not a, with Northrop at this point. You're with no, the Navy. No, well, I'm still working for Northrop, but I'm but, flying with the Navy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and crazy. And so I was with VFW-125, uh, which is based in Lemoore, and but I went through all my ejection seat simulation, all my um, was water like? survival. Oh, it was, it was wild because, you know, um, the ejection seat simulator was um, eight to nine Gs. Okay. So then... And what do they, what do they so, physically so, do so, so in an you, ejection seat simulator? Okay, so you go through all the, tr you know, you get all the lowdown and training, and then you sit in the ejection seat, which is the full-on ejection seat, and it has a big ramp up above you, like two stories up. And basically, you're sitting in there, and then they call for the ejection, and you get into your position to do it, and then, and then they launch you up. You know this, yeah, yeah. About, you know, eighteen up like a, feet a, a railing, up a rail. Yeah, but it was eight to nine Gs. Now, what? a real ejection is eighteen to nineteen Oof. Gs, and they would give you stats like you know only like thirty percent of them are without you know some sort of injury. Yeah, you know all sorts of things, and they puncture they puncture through the canopy. There's because it's a carrier based plane, it doesn't have they time for the puncture through for the canopy. The, yeah, so it has a splitter on top of the no seat. No way. Yeah, so. So, so that whole like blowing the canopy first thing is that, bullshit. That some planes do. No, no, <laughs> okay. some oh, planes some, okay, do, yeah. but but not all planes do. So you, because I was Martin Baker um, certified, and you know you carried a card. I used so to have rad. a card. Do you, get, do you have the Bremont watch? <laughs> no, you have to I get don't. the Bremont ejection seat watch. Uh, it's no, like a very so, very but, special thing. But the funny thing is, is you know I used to fly on these missions, and and uh, we would uh, I would have all my camera, you know, I have two camera bodies, lenses, also, and there's no room, so yeah. they're kind of sitting in your lap. Yeah. And you go, I'm not gonna eject out of here yeah. with all this stuff. So, it's like a 5D, yeah. like yeah. flying, and yeah. it's like. So that's the funny so well, yeah. There's that's the that's the Bremont. Yeah. So yeah, if you're if you're ejection seat certified, you can buy this special oh, Bremont Martin Baker edition watch. Uh, and it, the watch is meant to survive the uh, the ejection. Oh, seat. well, good. That's probably would have been the only if thing. If you want survived. one, I have, I have the hookup. <laughs> yeah, if you want to get down well, on it, yeah. Good. Well, I will tell you a funny story though. Is that um, we were formation flying back to the base one day, and uh, we're we're flying along, and you know, literally the planes are all flying wingtip to yeah, wingtip yeah. out there. And the way they create the gap for landing is they peel off uh -huh. and then the next one peels off and the next one peels off and that's the gap. So very dramatic. Around. Yeah, so it's real dramatic. So I'm shooting all this outside the window and in in funny enough, because it was all glass canopy, I would actually we'd put up a black curtain in there so that I could pull the curtain between me and the my the glass uh -huh. so it didn't reflect so no myself. Reflection. Yeah. Oh yeah, cool, so, cool. So cool. it wasn't real comfortable, all the stuff going on in there. Yeah. So first plane peels off and I'm shooting this and I'm looking out over the wingtip and you know the guy that's next to you is close enough that if he held a playing card you could tell what it was yeah, I mean yeah. it was serious close so the first plane peels off second plane peels off third plane peels off and the next the plane right next to me I'm ready this will be really good and then, 
you know, I shoot yeah. it when he peels off. It never occurred to me we were going to peel off. <laughs> so, <laughs> so he was so like this not play, ready. So this play, this play, he goes, bam. Like, and I'm just like, oh, that's good. I'm going to put my camera gear away. And I was like, bam. My head goes down. Yeah, I was going to ask if you had to it, secure it, your gear. Yeah, you're, you're wearing a G-suit, you know. <laughs> and my head goes down. And, of course, you know, your reaction is to snap your head back up. And it's just like everything. Blink, 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 oh, blink, blink. Went no. down to this little. And I'm thinking, I can't go. I can't go. And then I just get this little white dot. Oh, and no. I was like, oh, I'm gone. And then boom, it all came back. That's so, crazy. That was the closest I came to passing That's pretty out. awesome, so, though. Flying around fighter planes. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty yeah. That's pretty cool stuff. Yeah, so that was, you That's know, pretty beyond most typical photographers' yeah. gigs. That's that's pretty well, extraordinary. I, w- I was very fortunate. Northrop really gave me a lot of opportunity. And because I had Martin Baker ejection seat, Certification. I flew in everything. I yeah. flew. I flew in um, F-16s. I flew in uh, sub chase. You know, I flew that's in all the different kinds of things. That's the dopest shit ever. <laughs> so you've been off a carrier. Uh, well, that's a funny story. I went out, sailed out of the San Francisco port uh, underneath the Golden Gate Bridge, which was wild because the carrier. You know how you see that gap? But yeah. Went bar- under it, the bridge? It, uh, under, mm-hmm. I ba- it barely made. No, this is on the carrier. Oh and, yeah. And you barely make it under there with you when you're on that ship it's yeah, that yeah, big yeah. that it, you're literally looking up right at the bottom of the bridge so so we go down and we uh, it's sunset time we wake up this is how fast those carriers are we wake up off the coast of mexico from san francisco from san francisco in yeah. w- overnight overnight that's so, fast oh yeah what so are those we, things doing like 30 uh, they more than that. These really? things are with nuclear reactors. Everything. That's a good point. They are <laughs> nuclear. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So I'm. Um, so we get down there and we do sea trials for five days. And so I've been through water survival. I've been through all this stuff. The very first day, I'm shooting on the deck, and the very first day, one of the arresting hooks breaks on one of the F-18s, and they grounded all backseat. Oh, that sucks. And so I was out there five days, but I, it was a phenomenal You still got a five-day vacation oh, on an yeah. aircraft carrier, It, it, it was a phenomenal They experience. take care of you? Like, oh, it, you slept in the officer's quarters. That's what I'm talking about. No hot, None of this no bunk hot bunking. Shit. Yeah. No. <laughs> the hot bunking I wasn't looking forward to. So. Yeah. Um, so, what, is, what is that like to spend a couple of days on a carrier with no real work obligations? Well, no, I had. I mean, I was shooting everything on deck. It was really cool because it would be nothing going on, mm-hmm. so I'd be just Oh, so you, you could have an empty, empty deck, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so there'd be nothing going. And then all of a sudden, there'd be 300 landings and takeoffs a day, you know, kind of thing. And and it would just light up. Like, as fast as planes were hitting the deck, they're putting them down below or they're resetting them. And it's just, it's total, it, it just seems like it's it's just chaos, but it's not. And the interesting thing, too, is you're wearing a vest that actually the color means where you can go. Uh-huh. And, and I had a green vest, which meant I could go anywhere. And it was wild, because you know, there was no chaperones or anything. I was, I, <laughs> Just wandering I was out there, around, and you whatever. know, I'd, I'd have to watch the guys on the deck of what's going on, but it was serious, so yeah. it was good. That's awesome, what a yeah. great gig. Yeah, How cool good. is that? Yeah. It was good, so that, that kind of thing really defined me as being this high action photographer, and it led to the American photographer story, and that story then ultimately um, gave me three offers to direct television commercials. Oh, great. So, so that's where it went. So uh, where did, where did, when did weekend racing or become, when did it become a more serious thing? 
Because um, entering a, you know, it's one thing to do a couple local yeah. rallies, but like going to New Zealand and entering yeah. a WRC race <laughs> is not exactly, no, uh, unless you're Bill Caswell, in which case it's a Thursday. I but. like that. I like that. You know, I, I like what Bill did. It's awesome. But, Bill's um, a lunatic. He's, yeah. he's a nut. He's he, crazy. He's great. I've been yeah. at a few events with him, but he's, he's really great. I mean, I just love that. He'll call you for lunch, and then like at four in the morning, you're still at the bar. Like, how did this happen? What's going on? Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, I, you know, it's funny. When I first got out of school, School, I was doing things for a sports car magazine or whatever, and I went to driving schools to do a stories. And so I went to Bondurant School, went to British School of Motor Racing, and went to Jim Russell School. And it was kind of one of those things where, um, thank goodness for it, but it was like an immersion thing where the writer and the photographer just basically went through the school and shot it. So, so it's I went not through bad. that. Free so school. Ev- yeah. So every the three schools that I did, basically, I was the quickest guy. And the guys were kept saying, "Oh, you should look into doing this." Well, of course they, you know, yeah. they want everybody to be keep, become a racer. Of course but, they do. Yeah. But uh, but as, long as that is being a pilot, you go, yeah, you yeah. have to be a pilot. It's like here's your thirty minute test flight. Okay, now you have to sign up for twenty grand in classes. Yeah, in yeah, two right. Years. yeah. right. Well, so it, anyway, I had a lot of positive feedback that I should really be doing more racing, and um, the gym, the see, it was the British School of Motor Racing. Uh, actually had a pro racing series, a Formula Ford racing series on the West Coast here. And uh, they had really liked what I'd done in the school, and so they invited me into that. And so I ran three or four races on the West Coast here um, at Riverside and uh, Laguna Seca and all, and uh, ran in the pro Ford series. Well, once that was over, I didn't really have much else to do so and that was was that literally just uh, just buy a car enter the races that no they that had simple? a they race the series car. they had a race oh, series so where they, they yeah, so arrive and drive yeah arrive and yeah, drive sort of like so. like skippy's yeah, like spec yeah, me yeah. on a series or whatever yeah. so i ran that on the west coast which was kind of their pro series meaning everybody paid to do it and and <laughs> so pro which is the opposite of <laughs> yeah so so then um then after that basically i went back to work and shot all these things and and did you Funny. do well in formula cars? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did. I was a better qualifier than racer, but time told with the racing, it was good. And open so, wheel cars, man. When you yeah. start going wheel to wheel and open wheel, it's a different kind of balls yeah, you need. Yeah. I, don't, I don't personally have it. Open wheel yeah. cars scare me. Yeah, you know, I, I, I have never really felt much different in either one of the, you know, open wheel or sports cars or whatever. But, but, funny enough, on a Mazda job. The Mazda client demanded that I work with their under their drivers, and their driver was Rod Millen. Oh. And I said, "No, I've got my own drivers. I don't need, you know, I'm fine. I don't need Rod Millen." Well, he said, "Well, you need to work with him because he's under contract with us." And all. Well, Rod and I shot together on the first job, and I ended up doing a lot of Mazda work, so we shot together a lot. We ended up becoming really good friends. Rod and, rules. Yeah, and Rod was fantastic, and he was running in the rally championship, and I'd always loved rallying, but I just didn't, again, didn't know how yeah. to get how into it. Yeah, how do I it. do it? Yeah, like- and so here I was working with a national champion, the whole deal. He had a full fab shot, all that yeah. stuff. And it was actually his brother who was chasing me one day in rental cars. We were screwing around in rental cars, going back to location. He goes, you know, you should really look into rallying. You should. You. That'd be his brother, Steve. Steve yeah. yeah, Steve and Millen. So yeah. It was good, Steve. Great, good friend of the show. He's yeah. been, been on the show a bunch. So Steve was actually the one that said the words, you should really look into rallying because you'd be pretty good at it. And so I went back to Rod and I said, well, what, you know, what can I do? And he said, well, let's build you a, a production GT car, you know, an entry level. 323. Three. So I, I ran one season, kind of a th- half a season mm-hmm. of production GT, did 
pretty well in it. Who did and, you? Ha- how did you get a co-driver? Uh, I a friend of mine from school. You know, he's an <laughs> someone arc- very brave. He's an ar- he's an architect, and he just said, you know, he loved rallying too. And we decided to set out and do it. And so then, um, that as it do- happens in racing. You know, Rod was getting the latest, greatest all the time from Mazda, so there were a lot of hand-me-downs, and he said, you know, why don't we build you an open-class car so you can go for the overall wins? Open-class is like all-wheel drive turbo, yeah, typically, drive turbo. right? And, and it was and the same car I was driving in production GT, but it was my production GT was production. Right. So then this was going to be completely modified. Well, Rod had all the good stuff, you know, the Group A transmission and <laughs> the big turbos and all this stuff. So I took all his hand-me-downs. He built me an open-class car, and... Basically, was all this happening in New Zealand or no here? Oh, no, here, here, okay. here, and so I was running the U.S. Pro Rally Championship, and this came together. And at the end of the uh, my 1990 season, which was you know basically two years in, I um, tied for the overall national championship and uh, won open class championship. That's so awesome. So, so, and that was, and and the funny thing is, and I mean Mazda is so wonderful in motorsports, and and you know, with the Miata program and obviously the stuff going on in prototypes now. Yeah. And I, I love all the guys. I've shot a lot of commercials. But, you know, I kind of came out of that. Like, well, what could I maybe do this in the Porsche world? Yeah. You know, but that was 1990. And what happened in 1990 was the Carrera 4. Oh, yeah. And so the Carrera 4 came along and I, I thought, well, that's an all-wheel drive Porsche. Let's see what we can do. So it would, took me two years to kind of figure it out. And then in 92, I talked you know, got serious with Porsche, said, I'd love to run a Carrera 4 in the U.S. Rally Championship. So they helped out in making uh, all of the Perry Dakar stuff available to me. Oh, so so I got all of the Were Perry Dakar. Were they driving Carrera 4s in Paris to Dakar? No, but it w- they built like, a- Or like leftover- Yeah. Remember when they had a Carrera 4 lightweight? They made 20 uh-huh. of those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So- they originally we were going to run one of the Carrera Four lightweights in the in the championship, and I couldn't get a U a, a version that was going to be legal for road oh, usage because yeah. it had to be. So I ended up no getting, show and display. So Jurgen Barth and Porsche Motorsport all worked together, and they sent me all of the stuff. So we built a Carrera Is that Four that car. Yes, yeah. So I've seen this car in person a couple yeah, weeks ago yeah, exactly. in the rain, I drove, I drove yeah. in the pouring rain. So, so that car has full Perry Dakar running gear, transmission, diffs, and you know you could, it's got two knobs inside. <clears throat> one you can make it more front wheel drive. One to make more rear wheel drive. That is it's, it's, really uh, cool. And uh, did uh, you that, did you start with a car that you just bought, like just a yeah, regular? You yeah, just went so out and bought a Carrera because I needed a street car. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And then we just took everything out of it and put all this That's Perry Dakar. Super so this car is sitting in my shop you know full perry dakar underneath it that's so, so awesome it's cool it's a cool car how was it as a rally car <laughs> um difficult in the beginning because it was funny uh, i have a funny story that i was racing at daytona at the 24 hours uh in 93 okay and i was so excited about this program and racing what that, were you driving i, I was driving uh, oh i was driving an rsr oh, okay. um, uh, with yawk and roar and so a few pits away from me was walter roll and I'm thinking, he's the master, you know, I, I, this is so cool. I'm going to go tell him about my program. And, and uh, so I, I finally got the nerve up. I go over and sit down next to him and we're sitting on the wall and I go, Walter, you know, um, 
I, you know, introduced myself and everything. I said, I've got this Carrera 4 lightweight that we're going to run in the rally championship. And he says to me, that car must really be, and I'm like hanging on every word. And he goes, terrible. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> and then he That's must yeah. be sh- I can really imagine a straight face <laughs> so, in so, German. So he, he, but then he explained it. And the Perry Dakar cars carried tons of fuel. Yeah. Lots of fuel. Uh-huh. Twice as much as we did. So they had no problem with having too much torque to the front wheels. Oh. And so, and also most of Perry Dakar's dead straight stuff. So, you know, you, you could have pretty much so a 50-50 split. So he started explaining to me how to make it work. And once we figured that out and it was really the 93 season we had some suspension issues more than anything else and and in 94 we addressed the suspensions um situation and uh in 94 we finished second in the championship and had a number of outright wins but uh the cool thing that happened in 94 was porsche said let's go to pike's peak right and they loaned me for that same car a turbo motor they lo- oh, they just loaned you. A 550. Like, a little andile love yeah, for you. 550 horsepower, the same. Oh, and, I drove it. Because yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, Tate has it. Tate has it, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, oh, yeah, so I've driven on this engine. Yeah, the so, engine he's talking about. So about that, that? Yeah, so yeah. that motor, you know, was in the IMSA Supercar Series with Hurley Haywood and Hans Duke. And so. <sighs> Provenance, that, so, yeah, so, so I had So I had that motor. And think of this, you know. Did back, you have to give it back? Oh, yeah. Well, and here's a funny That's story about so giving funny. it back. Is we lend you this motor, but yeah. when you are done, if you don't have a crash, you must give the motor back. So I, I've i driven this car now a year and a half in the rally championship. Okay. Okay, with 300 horsepower. Okay? Right. Then all of a sudden, they take the car away from me, and I go and settle into the same car, and it's got a 550 horsepower single turbo motor in it with this big knob between the seat that I had to change the switch at different altitudes at uh-huh. Pike's Peak. The whole thing, and it you was just, just keep like, cracking yeah, it up every thousand yeah, feet. Yeah, and yeah. it was just a monster, and it was so cool because it was the same car. I've, I've driven this motor. It's a fucking monster. Yeah. It's a big motor. So, <laughs> so then the funny part is the next, I literally, I win at Pike's Peak. Uh, I won the open class that year, and that's like on Sunday. Monday, we rush back with the car, Tuesday, they take it in the shop. They take the turbo motor out, put the normally aspirated motor back in, and I race the next weekend and feel. Did it feel awful? <laughs> it was, and besides that, it was also a high altitude race, so it was like, you know, it was already lived like, the oh, power. Jesus, so. I can't go back. It was so funny. But the turbo motor wouldn't have been legal for the rally championship anyway. What, so. uh, is that engine still in that car? The three eight now. The three eight RSR okay. motor. Yeah. Oh, so it's not nothing. Well, no, it's not. It's a good and, little motor. And short, and short gears, so it feels plenty healthy yeah yeah in hindsight because it's 20 years down the road and no one cares would you have been even more successful or had a better time driving a rear drive 911 in the rally championship compared to the all-wheel drive um well the funny thing about this because i had the adjustable torque split it goes against what you'd think if it was super slippery like when we ran the winter rallies Uh like maine or in michigan i would run it basically rear wheel drive right because i couldn't get it to turn you know, as yeah, soon as just I have, push. Yeah, just push like crazy. Yeah. So surprisingly, if the grip was really good, I wound the torque up to the front. But if it was something I needed to be really loose in, yeah. it, you wound it to the rear. And that's that's the nice thing is you can pretty much so make it a two-wheel drive car. But oh, I will cool. say, because I did the uh, Nora event and Gamros you know, one of Gamroth built uh, Baja cars. And we were actually the first uh, 
9-11 to ever finish one of the thousand mile events in, in Mexico. How was that? And it was it was awesome, but that was a rear wheel drive car. It was so fun. I bet you it was know. the best. It's fun. It's like what you're getting to experience. Oh, with my, my yeah. car, I, I wouldn't even want an all wheel no, drive car. No, because you know what? It doesn't take much power. No. And it's just fun. It's just. Did you see the psycho death one he just built? With the turbo? Yeah. yeah, yeah the 450 awesome. horsepower. I, I love it. I love it. And, and it's a four speed. <laughs> and I was like. Lee, I don't get it. What it won't this suck? And he goes, "No, dude, you don't get it. Like first is good till 60." <laughs> He's like, "You you just put it in first when you're off-road. It's like being in an automatic. Yeah. You don't yeah. have, you don't ever have to shift." He's like, "It's perfect." Um, it's that thing is no, nuts. It's good. So, you know, so basically, and the funny thing is I mentioned in the rallying thing is all our rallies were run at night. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah, and yeah. all that stuff. So, at the end of the 94 season, Valvoline had been a great sponsor for both Pikes Peak and, and the Rally Championship. They said, you know, we got so much press out of Pikes Peak, we'd only want to run Pikes Peak next year and don't want to run the Rally Championship. So I didn't know what to do quite, so I just thought, oh, well. One race all year. Yeah, yeah. So, but I, but it started my 16 years at Pikes Peak. So. Yeah, you have a ridiculous run. Yeah, Pike, so. Do you have, a, how many how many record, how many uh, uh, have, uh, trophies are we talking I about here? I have eight championships yeah. in 16 years, so. Yeah, and, and sufficient. The, the, the fun thing for me is I have done that both in the dirt and when it was half dirt, half pavement, and done it in full pavement, and now I'm one of the few drivers under 10 minutes. So the whole th I've seen the whole yeah. progression of the place, which has been really fun. Have you? Was that one time though in the '93 uh, or '94, whatever it was, the only time you did it in an all-wheel drive car? Because I can only really remember you doing it in rear-drive cars in recent in recent uh, uh, memory. No, actually, two. Uh, let's see. No, I everything was all wheel drive till 2010. Oh, was it? Really? Yeah, the Cup car was the first car. So, because uh, the oh, you know what, the GT2 yeah, there was in a 2002, GT2. Yeah. The, and that was a funny year because I ended up um, there was a two wheel drive and a four wheel drive class, and we won the two wheel drive class, but we actually beat all the four wheel drive cars. <laughs> but that's. It's not that big of a surprise because Porsche, being rear engine, yeah. all the weights over the rear wheels anyway, it the works. drive wheels. So it really does work. And but that if you're just on a consistent uphill, yeah, like you'll, yeah. you'll be able and, to and, get a power down pretty yeah, good. Yeah, it really was. And but that two, but that was in dirt, and that was a handful. That GT2 so. is, uh, you know, what's describe the mental game of uh, driving Pikes Peak in the dirt, which no one can do anymore. Yeah. Um, People constantly say to me, oh, it must be a lot safer now that it's all paved. And um, it's really, that's really not true. You're going a lot faster. You're going a lot, yeah. And the thing that happened is, if you think about it just from a dynamic standpoint, in the dirt, we would rush a corner, we'd brake, we'd rotate the car under braking, so you've moved into slip. Yeah. And you're at slip then, and now you're driving on the throttle. And so you're driving on the throttle, moving around. All the energy was released in that transition to the slip. Yeah. For the most part. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So now you take a paved situation with racing tires. Yeah, now and you're, you're trail braking. You're doing as hard as you can in the corner. You're taking it right up to the edge of adhesion. And if you, by chance, figured out you were in the wrong place or the corner tightened or anything, you would all of a sudden go into slip on racing tires, which would mean all the energy be released in a way that, you know, is unrecoverable because there's no runoff there. Yeah, yeah. So it's the changes. And I used to, I still 
love the dirt days. I just like a car that moves around. Of course, you know? it's just more yeah, fun. Yeah, so it's a, and that was that was so great. And it was funny because it was almost like sprint car racing a few years, actually 94, there would be black grooves in the <laughs> corners, you know, and the cars were really hooked up. So. Like they were cutting into. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, it was really, and you were laying down rubber. Yeah, so, yeah. So Tim, no, and I, Tim and I were just, uh, just the other day, we're out with these mill spec guys. Have you heard of them? They're they're taking Hummer H1. Yeah, I saw that. And, uh, and then you can disconnect the rear wheel. Yeah, well, yeah. not only are they unshitboxing them and making them like reasonably quality vehicles yeah. for once, but yeah, a two wheel drive train yeah. with an air locking diff. Yeah. So with the weight and the tires and like you're when you're spinning one and yeah. like the, you're digging into the earth and like cutting these ridiculous <laughs> ruts. It's so crazy. Uh, it's well, silly and very fun. Yeah. So um, that that was really. Uh, you know the the dynamic has changed a lot, and I mean I love the place, but I just I like a car that moves around the dirt. So. Yeah, but under ten minutes. Yeah, under, under ten, 10 minutes, minutes is I'm, good. I'm all happy. Where do we Where do we go from here on Pike's Peak, though? What's the next What's the next marker to, well, to aim for? For me, yeah. <laughs> for me, I mean, I I last year I coached the GT4 Club Sport class, which was kind of a half celebrity, half yeah. you know. Um, uh, we, you know, amateur, but hardly amateur. Everybody was uh, pretty well versed in driving there when it got there. But um, that's a good car. For, it's a great car, it, and it seems fast. But at fourteen thousand feet, it's pretty slow. You know what was funny though is that I kind of thought that that would kind of work against it, but the drivers very early on figured out that it's all about momentum. Yeah. So the chances so they, they take yeah, yeah. in the momentum areas, but it was it was actually really cool to see. And you know, for me to work with Travis Pastrana and J.R. Hildebrand, yeah. and, you know, the whole group Travis of guys. Travis is guys, great. Travis is so good. And yeah. you know what's funny is I worked, I, I got to know Travis when we were both with No Fear uh, Clothing Company and we were, uh, I went to Race of Champions for many years, uh, you know, the big, you uh, international event where they uh -huh. invite all the champions so Travis Pastrana was a competitor there a few years so I got got to know him pretty well and it, you know and then you kind of like fast forward you know almost 20 years and he's still the same guy yeah, he's, he's just a, so he's good he's fucking alive yeah how about that uh, yeah no and it's he's such a good guy and yeah. I, I had One a lot of, the greatest of fun with rally him, so. crash videos of all time oh, yeah. his reaction after that role <laughs> that's that's when it really solidified because it wasn't like UK's like, woohoo! Like, yeah, he was almost like, yeah. let's do that one again. Yeah. Like, woof. No, he, and, and you know, he's he's such a quick study and understands all this stuff so well. And I, I was so impressed with him there. And I mean, he ended up winning the class too. But um, this year I'll be coaching, but they also, uh, Porsche's, also said last year they wanted me to just focus on coaching and this year I've uh, have made an entry into it but I don't know what I'll be running yet. GT2 RS, right? I'd like Obviously. to something like that. So it's good. Do, can well, do they hook you up? You a little dollar car action or um, something? Not, or? you know. I take care of the programs. Obviously, you know, Porsche is good to me in a lot of ways, but. Uh, you know, it's usually I have to figure out how to make it happen. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. It's it's good. What is in the Zwart uh, Stabla at the moment? The nine six four and the nine oh six are there's two heavy hitters we just yeah. covered. Yeah, and you drove up in a Macan that I think has like a ton of miles yeah, on it. Yeah, right? one hundred twenty five thousand miles. It's on pretty it. good for a Macan. Yeah, yeah. How's the PDK holding up? Good. Every, everything's been good on it. It's it's um. It's funny because you know you just did this million miles thing. Fuck yeah! And, oh, I should have let you drive it. You'd have uh, loved it. Well, and you know, it's Car like, is it opened a lot of questions for me too because you know the funny thing is 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 that I several times in my career I've done advertising campaigns based on million mile cars. Uh -huh. 
certainly Mercedes always did it. So right. I did one of the Mercedes ones, and I did a Volvo one. Volvo is always yeah. about it too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I was thinking the other day that Lexus you know didn't care. it just, but but it's not even that. It's like nobody really cares anymore. Yeah. And and that was an attribute. You know, you bought, they were marketing the car because it could last a million yeah. miles. And you know, I I just did, I did a job in Morocco a while back, and in Morocco, you know, every taxi is a Mercedes, but it's not a new Mercedes. No, it's a three hundred D. Yeah, and they have yeah. people sitting on the roof. You know, yeah. it's like overloaded well there's the cycle right of unkillable cars right so they start as like uh they start in europe as like aristocrat cars (laughs) then they become cabs three years later in paris right the nice french cabs yeah then they go to like (laughs) the northern africa Africa. you know and then they end up in oman yeah (laughs) so as some sort of mortar testing we went to oman a couple years ago everybody was rocking a mid-90s lexus everybody had one so like I think there's probably a lot of million mile Lexuses in the Middle East, yeah. but like nobody gives a shit. Yeah. But so like did, Lexus didn't really care either. But I, I was proud of us for no, doing no, it. No, I thought it was awesome because it was like it, it actually made me think about the times we shot million mile cars and and also how you, you have to like I'm a 125,000 miles on my yeah, car. Yeah, yeah. Okay, three and a half years, almost four years now. Right. You know, and not. That's a lot of driving. Yeah, but that's nothing compared to how how did that how did that I remember how the Mercedes the last one I shot for a million mile I remember how yeah. it got how there. it got there. So Good. so the thing about million mile cars is like you in generally I think in most cases you need one really fastidious owner with a really absurd commute uh-huh. you know that's that's kind of the normal arc yeah um the guy who checks telephone poles on the highway for a job and is just yeah. you know on yeah. the road, whatever. For me, I was the sixth owner of this fucking thing. Wow. And then I put a- What year was it? A 96. 96, okay. So the first owner leased it, normal lease. Second owner- Bought it off lease, drove it about and and drove it from thirty six thousand miles to seven hundred and fifty thousand. Really? Yeah, in twelve years. And, and what did he do? I don't know. Oh, I, really? I I've never found yeah. the dude. But because my Mercedes guy was a West Coast rep, yeah. living in Portland, and would basically go L A. Portland, L A. I would yeah. guess it was something yeah. like that. Yeah. And then the, uh, the the owners after that, between seven fifty and eight ninety seven, where I bought it, basically just did the bare minimum to keep the thing on the road. Really? And so when I bought it, it was in a pretty rough state. Mm. Uh, when it crossed a million, it was in significantly better shape than when I got it, <laughs> uh, to the point where I would not hesitate to get it and drive it across yeah. the country right now. Uh, like, right. It's what lovely. were the biggest wear points? Like so, what made you notice? A million, it everything's a wear yeah. point. Um, what made you notice its age? Uh-huh. First off, everyone who drove it uniformly said with a hundred percent across the board that it that they would have not guessed it had more than like two hundred thousand on it. Really? So it was really really nice. The yeah. engine was really smooth. Yeah. Um, was it in a? Had it been rebuilt? Never. Really? The engine had never been opened. That's insane. Gearbox three times. Really? Yeah. The gear. The I had to do a gearbox rebuild. And it was thirty six hundred dollars. <laughs> so I would say that was a big one. Yeah. I did shocks and bushings uh-huh. and shit like that. And you know, it, there wasn't any one maintenance item that was horrid aside from the gearbox rebuild. Everything else was uh, was fine. It wasn't that bad. They have a tendency to um, leak. The power steering uh-huh. pumps will leak onto the alternator yeah. and then kill the car. What was the interior like? Decent. Yeah? 
I wouldn't want to luminol and UV it, but no. it was okay. <laughs> everything worked. Yeah. AC, heat, yeah. power, everything worked. It's it funny because no I have an original 911 with 60,000 plus miles uh-huh. on it, and uh, it's a 70s. Okay. And literally, you're like sitting in it like this. The seat is so, it looks normal until you sit in but it. But it's and like it collapsed. The driver's seat yeah. wasn't the best, yeah. but the back seat was in pretty good shape. It was it was a lot better than Was it original think. paint? No, the paint was fucked. Okay, the, the someone had just rattled. Okay. The, the paint was right. fucked. There was no, yeah. there was no coming back from the paint. Well, I mean, seriously, congrats on that. I, I, Thank I, you. I thought that I'm was glad, really good. I'm so. glad you. I, yeah. I so this dude Freddie has it in Florida right now. Yeah, and he's like a YouTuber yeah. also, and he he does like crazy builds, mm-hmm. and he's putting a turbo on it. <laughs> <laughs> well, so much for and that engine. Trying, <laughs> Wait yeah. a million well, that's the, that's that was the the yeah. rule was I he could have the car for yeah. free. Yeah, do whatever the hell he wants with it. I yeah. signed it over to him. Yeah. He owns it, but when he blows the engine. I would like an engine block coffee table. Oh, that's and good. That's, that's our deal. That's good. I think an engine block coffee table with a rod sticking yeah. out the side would be just about perfect. Did you know going into it that it wouldn't go over a million miles? It'd just go nine nine nine. Did somebody a bit, tipped you off? A bit into the project, I uh, did learn that because I would have never bet on that. I if would have thought it just rolled over. It's digital and yeah. then just sticks at that's nines. Fine. So uh, uh, on the one hand, mildly anticlimactic. <laughs> on the other hand, permanent. Permanent badge of honor. Yeah. You oh know? yeah. So totally. That's, no, that's I the upside. That's super cool. So. The car was like, honestly, if you were to go out right now and spend twelve to fifteen thousand dollars on the nicest LS four hundred you uh-huh. could find, yeah, it would be the one of the greatest vehicles ever produced that you could ever own. Really? Re- truly, that's real, good. Any nineties Lexus is is built to an absurd standard of quality. Especially that's the LS. Good. Yeah, that's yeah. Good to know. I'm writing a piece for Road and Track about it. Oh, good. I'm good. like so excited. This car that I got on Craigslist that was like <laughs> fucking forgotten about in Florida yeah. is going to be like a feature in Road and Track. And I'm, <laughs> I'm like nudging a Kulski to make it a cover. Uh-huh. Like it would just be such a ridiculous <laughs> you know, thing. Yeah. That would be great. Yeah, yeah. It, it, we got off the photography subject, but I brought something for Did you. Did you bring me a poster? Yeah, I brought what you something. It? And this is, a, it could enlighten another subject. But so in the early. 80s. Oh, this is going to be so good, whatever so, uh, it is. Wherever the, you're going with in, this, it's going to be amazing. In the early 80s, any souvenir store, especially around the wharf in San Francisco or whatever, you used to hear the sound in the back of the store, clack, 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 clack. And there were these walls of posters. Yeah. They were all in metal frames. Yeah, metal frames. Yeah, yeah. So the biggest selling poster uh-huh. in those was Farrah Fawcett. Oh, yeah. Okay. The biggest selling poster was this, which Uh-oh. is mine. <laughs> Ooh, let's see what we have here. I need to be very careful. Let's see. V opens it up. Oh, dude. <laughs> oh, Jeff Swart. <laughs> Look at that. That might even be my car. It, it actually could be. It looks a lot like my car. It really does. There's, oh, so. Wow, that's so lovely. This is a, this for the audio audience. This is a red Lamborghini Countach with a tan interior and gold motherfucking wheels. <laughs> oh, you know what? It's not my car because these mirrors are red and my oh. mirrors are black. Oh, well. That, dude, thank 
Jeff. <laughs> You're That's welcome. So awesome. You're welcome. So. Oh my god. No. That's the coolest. <laughs> it's oh, funny. I knew you'd appreciate that. So. A hundred percent appreciate that. Amazing gift. <laughs> the the funny thing is That's is that beautiful. Thank that you. was the car we used for the road and track world's fastest cars in that day. Oh really? And, and it was it was in those days the world fastest cars didn't really progress bringing in the yellow bird and all that stuff. It was just a Ferrari Boxster and this a Ferrari uh -huh. Boxster and this and so. Um, we were at TRC in uh, oh, Ohio. Faster, I must yeah. know. Yeah, well, the, the boxer one. Okay. So, oh, yeah. no. <laughs> <laughs> so, but but it, was, it was so cool to have those two cars. Well, the funny thing, here's how different the time was. Lamborghini, you know, Lamborghini, all the Lamborghini officials were there and all the Ferrari officials were there and Phil Hill was driving, I think, and, you know, we had all the road and track guys. And, and so we were sending these cars around and, of course, the Lamborghini's having trouble, yeah. and, you know. Mm -hmm. it, but it, both cars, you know, they were, it was a seven-mile oval, I think, at TRC, you know, and, and it was a crazy flat-out oval. And I shot all these pictures and I just had a great time. Well, Lamborghini thought, oh, this is great. We got, you know, a road and track photographer to shoot it. So... I get a call a little while later and they say, you know, would you take the Countach and just shoot pictures with it? And yes. so, and so yes, I said, sure. I so I'm like, you know, I'm, you know, we're newlyweds and I got this Lamborghini going down the street in our neighborhood and everything and all the neighbors and what, what, what we're Did doing. Did you enjoy your Countach but, experience? Oh yeah, it was like so cool. I just remember it was really hard to see out of compared to anything. But, is, yeah. but I just, the times were so different. And yeah. I was laughing the other day because you were... So I shot the Ramborghini, the LMO2. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, we called it the Ramborghini. That's so, a good yeah, so, yeah. And you know, and you remember uh Valentino, you know, yes. the test driver. So he he um I used to go over every year to shoot the latest, greatest Lamborghini. So I went with him every year and we'd shoot Diablos and Mercolagos and all that stuff. He's so good. But I remember being in the LMO2 and he, we're, I'm sitting next to him and he's hauling ass as he does through all the area and everything. And <laughs> he, he only turns, has one speed. <laughs> yeah. And he turns to me and he goes, you know what, Jeff, I like about this? People get out of your way, <laughs> and and it really is true because they they'd gotten to the point that any any um, Merchilago or whatever would be kind of like people would be pissed at them like yeah, yeah in Santa when, Gata they're yeah. like the fuck out of yeah, here when stop the, it when Lmo two came along <laughs> it was like whoa I'm out of yeah. here I can't possibly do that but you were dishing on the um, cup holder. Oh in yeah. The new car. Okay. So here's here's what it took in me back. In the Aorus. Okay. Yes. It's a tiny little cup holder. Okay. But here's what it <laughs> took me back to, which I thought was so funny. So when I was shooting for Road and Track magazine, we went on the press trips, you know, to shoot the cars in the latest grade. But there were two waves. There was long lead uh -huh. and short lead. Long right. lead were the monthly magazines, and it wouldn't be out for a couple months. And there'd be the short lead, which like the Wall Street Journal or something, and yeah. they, they would come along later. So, so and I'm thinking. How times have changed, because like, I remember people going on the long lead and be worried two months from now about complaining about something that they'd hear from. And I was thinking, Matt's in here complaining about a cup holder where the PR guy could literally whack him in the back he of could, the head yeah. while you're complaining. I complained to his face. I don't bullshit. I complained to his face. But it was, it, you just realize the spontaneity yeah. of how this stuff works now. Gotta be ready on the you, fly. Yeah, because you're literally in our, in our day of, you know. I hadn't even driven the car yet. I had <laughs> I got there. I was in that 
nice La Quinta. Yeah, not, yeah. not the La Quinta, like the original yeah, the, La Quinta, the, the, yeah, the dope the, one. The, the one with all yeah, the... Yeah, they had a nice breakfast. And yeah. everyone, like, I, I think the people at Lamborghini are amazing. Yeah. Like, all those Italians are completely out of their minds. They're super funny. Yeah. And they're just nuts. Yeah. And, I, and I like their thought process uh-huh. on things. But, like, yeah, I, I call that out right there. I, I, even I, I just thought that was so funny because I thought, the press guy could literally be sitting he behind could. him. So. I complained to Janina and she laughed. Too. She thought it was very funny. She was like, they're oh, Italian. Good. They only drink out of tiny little cups. I was like, okay. Oh, um, that's good. We got a bunch of questions from our audience. Oh, really? Can you punch in on that, Tim, so I can read a little better, please? Um, yeah, folks can donate in the Super Chat for the next five or so minutes live, folks, um, so we don't go too, too long on this Friday night. But uh, Nithin says... Uh, some friends are coming to LA next month and they want to get some cars in Turo and hit the canyons. We're staying closer to Beverly Hills. There's only two areas to drive in LA, really. Malibu, canyons, yep. Angeles Forest. Yep. Um, from Beverly Hills, you're pretty much halfway between them. Yep. Yeah, Angeles Forest. If you really want to go drive, go Angeles early. Forest, yeah. Uh, go early in the morning. Do not go on a weekend. Go on a yep. weekday and have fun. Yep. Stay on your side of the double yellow. <laughs> um, yeah, I, th- those are the two areas. And oh, actually, the third one is up by uh, Lake Castaic. There's a lovely Lake Hughes Road. Yes, yeah, that's is, a good one. Is a good sleeper, spectacular road. Uh, Joe says, I'm on the fence between an 05 Mustang GT and a Nissan 350Z or Infiniti G35. The money is about the same. Which would you suggest with a focus on drifting? <laughs> I mean, look to build a drift car. You you need a, a I'd say at least at least a couple of hundred horsepower rear wheel drive with a with a limited slip differential and manual transmission. Either of those will suffice. Yeah, and Do I'd say there's a lot. Of, I mean, there's certainly a lot of 350Zs running around that have drifted. So. There are. Yeah, they're so. pretty good at it. Yeah, I think personally. I think an 05 and up Mustang GT will make a more durable drift car. I'd agree. I yep. think so. Yep. Uh, Maximum Motorsports makes some good parts. Uh, Barton MD says, thank you for the entertainment. You're welcome, sir. Joe says, what happened to the... Oh, uh, what happened to a 750... Oh, has has a video of mine gone missing? I don't know. Allegedly, uh, one of my videos is missing. I don't know. I'll go find it, Joe. Thanks for the heads up. I appreciate it. That is not a dumb question, as you (laughs) suspected it was. I will go find it for you later. Uh, Tex says, oh, I'm getting married. Congratulations. Yes. Uh, Jeff, any up... uh, Church of Petrol says... Any upgrades coming to the Turbo GT3 this year for Pikes Peak? Yeah, that's a sidebar. What is the Turbo GT3? Uh, The Turbo GT3 was... uh it came Can you about. Get a picture of that, Timmy. Yeah, it came about in 2000, 2010, I ran a GT three Cup car, normally aspirated, like the race car. Yeah, four hundred fifty yeah. horsepower. It was the first. Everything else I had driven was production based, so this was the first race car. And it was like you suddenly sat in there and you had sequential box and everything. It felt like you were wearing the car. It was it was awesome, and it was half dirt then, so the car was a blast to drive. What uh, what tires do you drive on a half? Dirt? Uh, rain. We ran a rain tire, okay. so we ran Pirelli rain tires that year, and it was just it was just whoever shot that picture wins. Yeah, that's the turbo. Who shot that? That's I think that's Larry. Ra- Chan. Is that Larry? Yeah, Larry's yeah. the he's yeah. fucking great. He's awesome. Present company excluded, but Larry he, is he, the no, other. He's a, I just had a I had a, a little meeting with Larry. I just am so. <clears throat> did you see the? The, the poster did he show you the poster that we did someone asked about this oh yes for the for uh, charity for the, yes, for the for fire. fire yes yeah. absolutely he showed me I that, so. it's 
the shot is fucking it looked incredible. awesome it looks awesome it's so, a stitch shot and yeah, it's unbelievable yeah he showed me that that was super cool he's so. he's what my favorite yeah that. so 2010 we ran that gt3 cup yes, car right. normally aspirated 2011 porsche we came together saying let's do us let's do the event where you drive from here in a gt2 oh, rs yeah, yeah you drove from, G- from yeah, la yeah, from yeah. la to pike's peak put numbers on it there go race and try to you know try to win the class i ended up losing that sounds cool but it's that that drive really shouldn't have been a big deal right it was a, no, it was it was a street, street car, car. It, yeah, is, yeah. it had full cage and you know all that kind of stuff in it yeah. but it was it was fine and we rolled along and it was great and no big deal <laughs> and then i get to there we put the numbers on put a few sponsors on raced and we ended up losing just by like a second and a half i think the class and but we set a production car record there with yeah, that it was, car. It was completely stock, yeah, right? Yeah. But what was cool, that was this the GT two RS was six hundred and twenty horsepower and it was fully six twenty at the summit. It, and it just pulled like nothing I'd ever driven there. And so I come back from that and I go, come on. The GT three cup car is best handling car I've ever driven. GT two yeah. RS was the most power I've ever driven. Let's put those two things together. Well it didn't exist. So we got together at BBI and Batim and Joey Seeley and they all combined their talents together to create this turbo cup car, which was an absolute monster. Cause you know, to deliver seven hundred and fifty, eight hundred horsepower at the summit. Yeah. It's like working over a thousand horsepower. Yeah. You know, at the summit. So it's it was just a crazy car. There were a lot of things that had to happen in there that made the reliability tough to get it all dialed in the first year. So we we ended up coming back three times, but we ended up winning there. And uh, that's the car that I went went under ten minutes into. So. I drove a, a car that was that had a, a slightly milder version of that engine. Mm-hmm. And it was a psycho death machine. Yeah, that Swan one, yeah, the white so, yeah, one yeah, yeah, with yeah. the sequential in yeah. it. The, I drove that on a closed road, right. um, and it was real crazy. Yeah, I no. can't imagine the full race car. You know, it was a blast. Bonsai and, tune version of that and thing. No ABS and no traction control. And <laughs> okay. so it was just it okay. was great. <laughs> uh, is that car? That's your car, right? Yeah, you own that, that was car? my car. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, are you going to continue racing? No, that car? that car has been retired, and uh, so this year that's why we're trying to decide what we'll run this year. Mm. So if we is can. there is there a new class you could enter that would be somehow like no, I you know it just it's it's a matter. I mean, I know that I'm coaching this year for Porsche Motorsport again, yeah. and I like that. And so as a if I don't find something that I'm really comfortable with, you know, I'll just coach. But I could you I, like could you do like would you find the fun in like let's say like racing a 356 or something up the hill or would that come just on, be I drive a 356 with snow tires? No, and I know stuff. that's what I'm saying. But yeah, like, would you would you find it fun to enter the race or would it just not be fast enough to be worth your time? That would be tough at yeah. 60 horsepower at sea level. <laughs> it would be tough. But funny enough, I drove that prea to the top of Pikes Peak one day. And I had to go to first gear through the last couple of hairs. And I was like, I was like actually worried I was going to make it. I thought this is going to be really ugly if I can't make oh, it. Oh, yeah. Well, that's speaking of which, other cars, we stopped at the Macan, but you, other cars in your garage, you have this 356 that yeah. is a very early car, yeah, right? Yeah. Pre, well, I have I have the 50th Porsche that was ever made, which is the Gamund that's on display at the Peterson yeah. Museum right now. And that's, you know, hand formed over. You know, wood Who's buck. Is older, yours or Jerry's? Uh, his by twenty numbers. Well, twenty about, numbers. About fifth, yeah, twenty numbers. About yeah, it's so, like a week. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, not quite a week in those days. Yeah. <laughs> it was a little longer than that. And then I've got the fifty-three pre-A, and and uh, because of my interest in rallying, I've also got a 
the works cars from 1971, the 914.6 GT and the... Um, the East African Safari car. That's so I've got cool. the Monte, I call it the hot and cold of 71 because I got the Monte Carlo car and the uh, African cars. So. Do all the cars get driven? Yeah. Everything's yeah. got a, um, you know, historical plates on it, and drive, including the 906. And yeah. It's good. So, that's super cool. That's, I love the canoe on the, on yeah, the that's, yeah. that's, because it was on display and I told my friend, I was like, you know, he drives that like that. And they was, he was like, no, he doesn't. And I was like, yeah, no, no, yeah. he fuck, he drives that with yeah. a giant canoe on yeah. the roof. It's, that's when you want the, wind, the wind going in your direction. When I see your Instagram and you're like on the side of some lake and you go, you're taking that canoe down off the, th I'm like, God, that guy knows how to live. Man. That shit looks great. <laughs> I know. It's, it's pretty cool. Can, but it, it is Do you funny. canoe locally ever? Do you only yeah, travel to Yeah, I go on the canoe? ocean. I do go out in the ocean and so can we canoe together? <laughs> Camp, Camp Wampasset, 94. You're winning Whoa. Pikes Peak. I was canoeist really? of the year. Wow. Yeah, I was. Yeah, My we'll J-stroke is dope. to work that out. <laughs> and even that you can describe a J-stroke, that's good. I know I know what a J-stroke <laughs> is. is that, that's I'm mostly that's awesome. most of the way there. Uh, you know, canoeing is fucking yeah. awesome. It is pretty funny. When occasionally the wind will hit it, and shift it, and it start it shifts a little bit, and all of a sudden you're driving like it's completely out of alignment, <laughs> sideways. You're like your sail has yeah, kicked yeah, in. Yeah. Yeah. So you want to keep it dead straight over the car. Yeah. Uh, Nick Hansen says, uh, Jeff, regarding Luft Six, uh, Luft Six is what May 11th. May I believe 11th, it was yes. just announced. Yep. I got got my text from Pat. Yep. Will I be able to park my air cooled Porsche inside the venue, or will the venue be reserved for curated cars only? Well, um, we will be establishing the number of cars yeah. inside the venue, and there will be a sign-up process. And uh, I would say that if you're early in your sign-up and you present the passionate plea, chances are you'll get to park inside. Sweet. Yeah. I'm excited. I just marked my calendar. Yeah. I talked to Pat, and he said that I can come. Yeah, good. Good. So we'll I'm give excited. you space. Yeah, and yeah, I'll personally for, park for your my car. purple, my purple rally car. Well, I think we'll have a good space for all sorts of rally cars. I'm so. taking it on my on my second ski trip uh, of 2019 uh, next weekend. Okay. I'm very excited. Back up to Mammoth. To Mammoth. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's good. It's so lovely to drive. I'm glad to hear daily that. Daily driving a safari car is fucking great. Well, I'm like, a big fan of Lee and all the stuff he's done, and I'm I'm really yeah. glad to have a, a good one on the West Coast. Yeah, here. you have to. Have you driven one yet? Um, you know, actually not. You have so, to. You have yeah, to try it. I'd Love to get your thoughts. You know, we we shake down the loof cars that we've done, the rally cars for yeah. There, and that's, those are a little more extensive. Those builds. they're they're pretty dialed. I you know when I got out of the last one we built, I mean I was saying I'm ready to go run a stage <laughs> rally in it. I mean it, because it's it's it's, it's there. Proper. It's, it's ready there. to go. Yeah, no, and mine isn't that. With Gamroth doing the motor and everything, it's it's a pretty awesome car. Well, so. Marco just redid my motor. He rebuilt my motor. Oh, good. Full full rebuild. Yeah, well, and it's it's Marco ripping. can do a good job on that. For he does. Sure, so. He does. And yeah. it's 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 ripping. It feels really really strong. Good. I'm good. very excited about it. Um, uh, okay, so Luft Six is May 11th in Los Angeles somewhere. Yes. Don't know, don't know where yet. <laughs> uh, Ted says, is there an update? Oh, an update for the Lambo poster available to order. It will be very soon. I thought it was, it's probably next week. I just saw the poster. Apparently, it's hard to get like a lot of posters made. Really? According to Matt Crook, he might be full of shit. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I could have sent you somewhere. <laughs> I don't know. We'll come to you the next yeah. one. Very soon. It looks amazing. Uh, w. Ward says, uh, blasted Radwood and Austin. I saw the pictures of Radwood and Austin. It looked cool. Have you been to Radwood yet? I haven't been to Radwood, but I'll tell you that. Bro, you're I, missing out. But, but I just, I love the fact that. 
you know, the things that you and I've probably always looked at as cool yeah. are now being recognized as cool. Yes. And, and you, you can have a rotary Mazda mm-hmm. and suddenly everybody gets Bro, it. Bro, two Mosler consoliers oh, were yeah. at the, I mean, it's- That's it. Yeah, and you have to you have to bring the 964 out. It's yeah. the perfect period yeah. uh, race no, that car. That would be good. I, you told me a fucking great story about running out of gas or something on PCH, having to like abandon that car on the side of the road. <laughs> it was not good. Oh man, uh, Dante Zero says my dream ride is either a Lancia Delta Integrale, good taste, or an Audi RS2 Avant. If it was your money, which would you get? I've never driven an RS2. Have you? RS2s are cool, and actually, because of the timing now, mm-hmm. they're legal here. And I've been thinking about getting one for Colorado. I've never had a. I've never driven one. Are they fun? Well, well you know, it's was cool. Is in the time when I was shooting at Visoc, they were always the one you hopped into, opened up the hatch, and shot out of the back of oh, the yeah. shoot Porsches there. So, so I certainly got to uh, go around Visoc a few times in the uh, the awkward seat. Were they Were they cool? The, <laughs> they were at really the time? cool. Yeah, they I were really see, cool. I don't see them very often. They made a lot of them, and you know they haven't been legal here, but they're now that they're going to be, uh, except for California. So. I drove an Integrale. I don't know if it was an Evo 1 or 2. It was an Evo, but it was really, really fun. Yeah. It wasn't yeah. particularly comfortable. The seating position was a little weird, huh. but it was fun as shit to drive. I, yeah, I, I get it. it. And I love how they're just low-key. You know, yeah. It's like they blend but the, we, the wheels. The, wheel, yeah. those, oh, the yeah. Integrale yeah. wheels. Yeah. The shit. Uh, Daniel says, I'm looking for a second car for autocross, rally cross, and track days. Uh, the Evo 9 and the 0507 STI are the obvious answers. Driven both, like both. Any other wild card recommendations for dirt and tarmac you would recommend for give or take $20,000? Mm. I, I think you got to go with the STI just yeah. because there's so much stuff available for them. Yeah. And uh, it, it would, but as far as an alternate, there really isn't any. You know? Yeah. I mean,. If you want to go like front wheel drive, like yeah. you could do front wheel drive, like yeah. for sure. There's a lot, of, a lot more options there than all your old Hondas and stuff come into play. Or yeah, like, yeah. I mean, there's when you get into that zone, there is a lot, but yet I think in an all wheel drive car, it's got to be. Yeah. yeah, I mean, if you're looking at an Evo and STI, yeah. like you're at yeah. that, you're at where that's at. I did when I ran the World Championship Rally in New Zealand. I drove an Evo, and you know, I'd literally gotten out of my Porsche one weekend, gone to New Zealand, and then drove the Evo, and it was like. Wow, this is the way rally cars are supposed to feel because it really was proper. Yeah, it was really cool. I could, th- I'll throw a wild card out if you're willing to drive on the right side of the car because uh-huh. now you might be able to like get some weirdo like yeah. you know Pulsar GTI R yeah. or some you know a Starlet or some kind of bizarre, <laughs> inexpensive yet cool Japanese thing. So that or, or even a Skyline, honestly, yeah. a GTST Skyline could be yeah. super fun, rear wheel drive. Um, what else do you want to plug? Luftgalt is not that I need, not that you need my plugs, but <laughs> what do you got going on? Anything? Um, of, you know, uh, we've got a, a film coming out in September. Oh yeah, we yeah, can talk so. about that. Should we talk about that real sure, quick? Sure, the Art yeah. of Racing in the yeah, Rain. Yeah. So Art of Racing in the Rain was uh, you know a book that was uh, book no one's ever heard of. Ah, it was it definitely <laughs> heard of ten years ago. I'm so. fucking kidding. Everyone's yeah, heard of the yeah, Art of Racing. So, yeah, I'm so, joking. I'm sorry. Okay, if that good, did, I'm good. sorry if that went like over I, your head. I, I thought within this room, how could it not? No, be? everyone's so, heard of the yeah, art of racing yeah, in the rain. So, Garth Stein, great yeah, book. Garth did such a great job, and I, and it was a book that when I read it, 
it just captivated me on what the visuals could be, especially, you know, I was studying to be a veterinarian, you know, so I'm all into the dog world anyway, and to, to you know, read from the dog's perspective and kind of see all that, it, it really conjured up a lot of great visuals with me. And I actually went to one of Garth's book signings in, you know, in the very Back beginning, in the day. 10, yeah, oh, in the yeah. day, just to see him, and I felt like a stalker, but at the end of the book signing, I said, oh, you know, Jeff Swart, and, you know, here's, gave a little introduction, and then I ended up, you know, talking to him for quite a while about it, and we both, you know, said, "Oh, it's natural film, yeah, and all it's everything that, you know, it could be, but yet it took forever." And then Patrick Dempsey, fortunately, bought the rights to it, and he really worked and worked and worked on it. It was almost there, greenlit in one studio, and almost the next one, and then finally Fox Two Thousand came along and took it. And Neil Moritz is the executive producer. Oh, Neil Moritz and of Neil, Fast and yeah, Furious yeah. fame. So, yeah, so yeah. He, he was great. And, you know, this all came together. So naturally, racing is the on you know underlying theme to the whole thing, uh, but it's not the bulk of the book. But I got called in to basically be second unit director to direct all the racing and it ultimately led to shooting all the car things. And, you know, I shot the opening title sequence and I shot the end scenes. And it's just, it's a really, I've seen the film now and it's really great. But it's a bit like uh, Field of Dreams. You don't have to uh, like baseball. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And, you, you know, that's my main thing is you don't have to like racing. You don't have to anything. It's just a wonderful movie. Yeah. And uh, Kevin Costner is the voice of the dog. So oh, that's it's great. It's awesome. So, so, how, well, it's really, so it is like Field of Dreams. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. You get, and, and you got to work with a bunch of fun racing oh, drivers yeah. who got to both race for real and for fake, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. part of the, you know, the idea was just to make it legit. Uh, I, having dealt with IMSA for so long, my natural idea was let's go to IMSA. Let's see if we can embed ourselves in a few races and work around the teams that are actually racing. And so we were, you know, there's a real reality to it yeah. <laughs> that's there because it is real. Yeah, so, in the uh, way that, you know, Lamar yeah, uses the yeah. real race or, or, or whatever, you know, great. whatever have you. That's so cool. Yeah. When is it coming out? It'll be out in September, oh. and uh, it, it's... Uh, it's it's going to be a great launch to it. Milo Ventimiglia is the main character, oh, yeah, and cool. uh, Amanda Seyfried's his wife, and so uh, they've just. It's a great, it's a great cast, and and it was really, it just, you know, it's a sad story, but yet it's leaves so uplifting in it that it's really a positive story. So that's it was awesome. A, it was a fun year for me because I worked on that film, and then I also did those wacky Red Bull films of taking the Formula One car from San Francisco clear to Miami. So yeah. you know, we had a good time with doing all that Red Bull stuff too. That's so cool, man. You are mm. you are on a wave. <laughs> Having a good time. That's so. awesome, man. I'm 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 super stoked you could come in. No, thank you. <laughs> Excuse Thanks. me. I apologize. Um, <clears throat> my throat is scratchy today. <laughs> um, oh, last last real quick question before we get out. Uh, someone may wants prescription Dylan sunglasses. Email me mad at the if you want prescriptions. I forward you to their optometrist who is in house. <clears throat> Excuse me. Sorry. Uh, any of their plastic framed glasses, like the sports kind of wraparound ones, work well under my scooter helmet. <laughs> um, thank you. Jeff Good, Zwart is you. Zwart on Instagram. Z-W-A-R-T. Anything, any other platforms you use or just nope, Instagram? No, just that. I'm a photographic guy. Yeah, I figured. So. <laughs> and your, your Instagram is a great follow. I strongly recommend. Uh, and uh, May 11th, Luftgeolt, Los Angeles. I will see you there. Yep. My, my purple Porsche. Uh, and uh, the Smoking Tire Podcast is powered by Shout Engine. You know the drill. Get your own podcast at shoutengine.com. It's easy. 
All you need is a microphone connection to the internet and ideally something to say. Uh, have a good weekend, folks. I'll see you Sunday evening Pacific time with Matt Hardigree uh, from Jalopnik oh, and nice. now Drive on NBC Sports. Nice. Yeah. All right. Good night, guys. Have fun. Bye. Thank you.